Hello and welcome to the Appertons Family Podcast. My name's Amy and we have a super juicy, detailed, educational podcast today with Meigs. This isn't a birth story, um, but just before we get into it, I'm going to go through a few things that's coming up with Appertons real quick. On the 5th of September, we have a Father's Day flow, which I'm super excited for. It is the first of its kind with Appertons Families. And on the 30th of October, we have our body balancing workshop. And on the 18th of September is our next Abitant's birth workshop. We just jumped into our first week of um, pregnancy and postnatal yoga of the term, which is great. So to jump into the episode. Now, Meigs is a natural fertility educator, hormonal health practitioner, health coach, and sonographer. In this juicy episode, we go through PCOS, endometriosis, women with strong PMS symptoms, how they can get into hormonal shape, and anything extra they need to do to conceive. We go through when a couple decides they want to conceive, how to get into the best hormonal shape possible. In pregnancy, the most nutritious foods to eat to maintain and um, nourish your hormones postnatally, how to get back on track with your hormones and back onto tracking your cycle once again, and an overall starting point to balance your hormones in whichever phase you're at, preconception, postnatal, not even thinking about babies yet. Now, as always, I would really appreciate a quick follow and a written five-star review if you enjoyed this episode. It is always so, so nice to hear what you guys have to say. Now, let's get into the episode. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast again, Megan. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) Absolute pleasure. So this time around, we're coming from a bit of a different approach. Um, Last podcast, we did a birth story. And this one, we're going to talk all about hormones. Sounds good. Amazing. (laughs) So Megan, you are a natural fertility educator, hormone health practitioner, health coach, and a sonographer. Is that all right? Yes. Many hats that I wear. Many hats. Many hats. Although they do all beautifully intertwine together, which I just love. So we're going to start off by finding out how you got onto this path that you're at today and feel free to explain like what you're doing at the moment. Well, uh, bit of a story, mm-hmm. I guess, um, like anyone. I don't know, I've kind of found my way into this field through my own challenges like many women do when they find their passion. Mm-hmm. I, I started being misdiagnosed with PCOS mm-hmm. back when I was 18. And I guess before that even, I really struggled with my periods for since forever, mm-hmm. ever, ever and ever. Um, I suffered horrendously with severe period pain, really debilitating, sorry, period pain that, you know, I was bedridden and I was dosed off on medication and Mm -hmm. vomiting, diarrhea, all the, all of it. Um, and you know, like it was kind of made out that that was like an okay thing at the time. And that was a normal thing to be experiencing. And it's something that's just happened. It's just something that we've all been grown up to believe that that's the way it has to be and that's not the case and I later found that out um so I guess from having the painful periods I went to the doctor around when I was about 18 and they put me on the pill and they also told me that I would likely have a hard time conceiving when I was 18 and, you know, being an 18-year-old, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in and a lot to – I was heartbroken for a really long time. I had met the love of my life by then. Um, 
So to be told that, that was pretty, that was a lot. Um, And to be honest, for the years after that, I ignored it for a long time. I was on the pill and, you know, I just, it didn't cross my mind. I just, you know, the period pain didn't improve even on the pill. Mm. Um, And it was just something that I learned to deal with or to manage Mm. um, or to have time off or whatever it was at the time. I just, I needed to do those things to survive through that, that time in my life. Um, And it probably wasn't until I was getting ready to get married that things kind of like changed and they, um, they ticked over for me or something happened within me. And I knew that that something wasn't right. Like it was like a newsflash, like something wasn't right within my body. I shouldn't be experiencing this. And heck, if I have a daughter one day, I don't want her to experience anything like this. So I don't know, I came, I think I must have been 23 at the time, 24 maybe, and I became really motivated and I started diving a lot deeper into the work, into what um, was behind all the issues I was having with my hormones and with my periods and with my cycles. Um, And I went cold turkey. I just decided, no, that's it, I'm off, (laughs) I'm off the pill. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and this was Probably, I don't know if it was a great idea, but it was in the months before I was getting married. I think six months before I was getting married. And yeah, I didn't get a period for a really long time. Mm. 11 months, I didn't get a period after being on the pill. Yeah. Um, so I remember while I was like getting married, like, oh my God, is it going to show up? Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. Is it? Yeah. Oh my I know. And I was like, that was one of the things. Yeah, I was really stressed during that time because I'm like, is this going to happen? I don't know. I've just yeah. taken this gamble. What's going to, you know? Um, and to be honest, after being on the pill, my my cycles returned to exactly the way they were before I went on the pill. And right. that is often what happens. Yeah. Okay. So really painful and all that. Horrendously painful mm. um, and really, really irregular. That's something I didn't mention before mm. is that I always had really irregular cycles, really long cycles. Interesting. Um, and hence that's why they probably thought I had PCOS, mm. but that was a migno- misdiagnosis. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of what's led me down the path of really researching and trying to understand my body, learning about the physiology. Um, in that time, I was actually a medical sonographer, so doing ultrasound. Yes. And it still hadn't like clicked for me until I made this decision to dive deeper into it. Yes. And I guess that kind of led me on a path to studying um, health coaching and then specializing in hormonal health. Yeah. And now even specializing even further in natural fertility education. That's where my passion is now. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. And that's what you work in now, hey? Yeah, that's my focus. Like it's, it's like you said before, it's kind of like a really beautiful mix. I can pull so many different things. Absolutely. um, Which makes, you know, I like to, I like to think that the work that I do is pretty unique and pretty special. Absolutely. um, Because I've, I've, been so lucky to come across all different things and really pull on the stuff that I love doing and go through the process yourself Mm. of you know preconception no babies wanting to get your health back on track and then moving into that um, wanting to conceive and and getting all pre-prepped for that Mm. so yeah going through that journey yourself and being able to dive deep into those particular stages yeah definitely awesome how cool so 
Question for you. If someone was diagnosed with PCOS or endometriosis or has strong PMS symptoms, how do they even start with getting into hormonal shape? Anything extra they would have to do to help them conceive? So two parts there. That is a huge, <laughs> a huge, um, a huge question. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the three of those, PCOS, endo, and PMS, are all massively different conditions. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. They can, you know, kind of like coincide with each other, but they're all very, very different. Yeah. So like an approach would be very different per kind of, per condition. Yeah. Um. I guess starting, we'll start with PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually four different types of PCOS. Wow, yeah. I know that. Yeah. So it'd be, it's very specific to the individual and working out which PCOS type that woman has. Mm. Um, what is at the root of her, of her PCOS? Um, you know, and I guess answering the second part of that question for that specific case would be, PCOS is really associated with often long drawn out cycles. Mm. So my biggest, my biggest kind of tip would be to really start paying attention to your specific cycle. Right. Even if you haven't, you know, fully healed your PCOS yet, Mm -hmm. because if you don't understand your cycle, you could be, you know, in the, in the space where you are trying to conceive, but you don't understand your fertile window. You mm. don't know when that special time is. Mm. Therefore, you could just be like trying and it not not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, if you've got no idea. So my advice for P- PCOS women would be really look into your cycle, understand that fertile window. Yeah, so yeah. track your cycle. Yeah. When you say track, do you mean recording the days that you bleed or like what else do you record so ooh. Yes, <laughs> yes bits and pieces <laughs> lots you know yeah. lots of different things but um I really make my own practice my own but I guess the most important things mm-hmm. that I would be looking at would be obviously the day of your cycle tracking okay. the day of your cycle tracking the date okay. um, so you can refer back to that time yeah um and tracking any symptoms symptoms so that would be when you're first starting out that's where I would start yeah um tracking your symptoms what kind of stuff is going on like yeah bloating have you got like did a little blemish come up on your chin at a certain time in your cycle are you really moody one day are you cracking it you know um all kinds of things like that and then the next level would be starting to look into tracking your cervical mucus right yeah which right. is that's that's the ticket to finding out what like to understanding what is happening in your fertility every single day. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really cool. All right. So what about the next one? What yeah. So PMS. PMS is just like it's actually. Oh, I just you know I love I love a good PMS case. <laughs> You're like let me get my hands in there. I'm just like I know what to do with you. Yeah. Um, it's it's actually not too hard understanding PMS. Right. Um, the re the you know the reason why many women suffer with PMS is because there's just an imbalance in their hormones, specifically progesterone. Right. Progesterone is our beautiful, calming, anti-anxiety, anti-like. Um, I can't think of the word. Um, it's just a beautiful hormone that keeps us feeling calm and feeling really good and up, yeah. uplifted and that kind of stuff. And when we yeah. don't have enough of it, that's when the mood crashes. Right. Yeah. So that's where I would be focusing. And, you know, in PMS, 
you know, understanding that aspect of it, understanding that it is associated with low progesterone, we need that to improve before trying to conceive. Mm. So that's where I would be focusing. Right. When we think about progesterone, progesterone is our pregnancy hormone. Yeah. Okay. So we need a good amount of it in order to keep a baby within the uterus. That's right. So if we don't have enough of it, that's often when a miscarriage can occur yeah. or the, the the fertilized egg can sort of fall away too soon or yeah. not implant. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if, if you're experiencing like PMS-related symptoms, any mood changes, that mm. kind of stuff, I'd be like, okay, what's happening with your progesterone and naturally working on that to, yeah. to improve your chances of conceiving when the time comes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing is as well, like even – before conception i just think like why can't we right now at you know 20 years old you're not thinking of having babies for years and years and years why can't you not have epic hormonal health right now like why do you have to take a week off work a month and or deal with cramps and bloating and crankiness and you know being a little bitch to your boyfriend or whatever like (laughs) why can't we all just focus on it now and like living that for ages it's like when you buy a house and then you live in it when it's shit and then you renovate it and sell it straight away yeah it's like, why do you do that do yeah. beforehand yeah um yeah anyways and <laughs> amen to that i'm just like i'm just like you're speaking my language <laughs> i'm serious i'm like i don't know why why is that not a thing why why not yeah, yeah. it can be attention. it can be a thing absolutely <laughs> we can feel good all the time absolutely <laughs> we're allowed absolutely. to do that <laughs> Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. So when a couple decides to conceive and wishes to get into the best hormonal shape possible, what are your top tips? Okay. This is a juicy one. Um, Mm. firstly, um, for, I'm going to speak in this one, I'm going to speak to the couple. Then I'm going to speak to the the man and the woman. Nice. Go Um, for it. So couple, the earlier you start, the better. Mm-hmm. The earlier you start to make changes within your lifestyle, they're going to be super supportive of a fertile lifestyle. I love saying that. I just think, you know, we can create such a fertile lifestyle for, you know, not only in our, in our nutrition, in our, like our stress management, um, in the way that we move our bodies, um, you know, we can create, but like in, in our homes too, we can create a beautiful space, a fertile lifestyle that a baby can choose to come into, that feels safe to come into. Yeah. Um, and I think the earlier you start working on that lifestyle, the better. Absolutely. Um, and I guess speaking to the couple there as well, it would be be open, just be open to making one change. Yeah. Any change, one change. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be all at once, mm-hmm. but if we if we learn to live such a beautiful lifestyle, it's not going to be hard. Yeah, it's not going to be hard to follow into when that time comes or into pre preconception care. Mm. Um, it just becomes normal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would love everyone to do. That's it. That's it. And as you say, it can be super daunting, especially if you're not into all this stuff already. Yeah. So one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, for the woman. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to say this, start tuning in, start tuning into that monthly cycle of yours. Yes. Or that menstrual cycle of yours. It's just, it really is, excuse me, your guiding light. Mm -hmm. The information that you can get from a bleed or from the way that you're feeling each and every day literally gives you a look into what is happening in Mm -hmm. your body on that specific day, in in your fertility on that day. So by being open to learning about it and understanding it, 
and then supporting it, that's where you're going to see massive, massive change and massive, you know, improvements in fertility Mm. or optimized fertility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And men, you matter just as much as the ladies. Yes, you do. (laughs) Good call. You do. You're really, really important. Um, You know, your partner, your wife, your girlfriend, whatever, they're not trying to just annoy you. (laughs) They actually, you know, you really do play a massive role. Yes. And, you know, unfortunately you don't get the evidence that we get every single cycle. Like you don't get the feedback. Um, But that, that doesn't mean that things can't be improved Mm -hmm. and that, you know, you can, you can play a really big part and you can play your, your, your really special part in, in, in the journey absolutely yeah Yeah. Uh, well it's a it's a sperm and an egg i don't get why the thought is that you can have this epic egg and it's just going to do the whole job but you need a really good healthy juicy sperm yeah oh juicy Mm. (laughs) (laughs) oh god (laughs) so good yes yeah beautiful sounds good so in pregnancy what are the most important nutrients foods or rituals to do to prep for a natural birth Okay, so again, I guess that's kind of like a lots of different sections in that question. Mm. Um, nutrients. There's a few, obviously, that I'm going to be like, yes, we, we need to be sorting out. Like, mm. it's very important. And they're like folate, iron, zinc, iodine, vitamin D. They're probably my biggest ones to be paying mm-hmm. attention to or to potentially look into before you head down the trying route. Yeah. Um, well in advance. Just FYI, just try and well in advance sort that out. Um, But I don't want that to scare you either. Like I don't want that to scare anyone here either because, you know, once you understand and once you have the information, Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised how easy it can be to like be working on those Mm -hmm. just through diet. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, Foods. I like to think – you know, we're going through a really special time. We're trying to really build um, nutrient stores. We're trying to grow a baby. Like mm. um, really looking into nutrient-dense foods during this time is important. Yeah. Okay, so things like bone broth and liver and sea vegetables, they're all going to be so nutrient-dense. They're going to be packed full of nutrient density so that, you know, you can build beautiful stores or you can maintain beautiful stores during pregnancy because you do you lose a lot you give a lot to your of your body to someone else yeah um so we need to be working out a way to maintain those or at Mm -hmm. least you know helping you um recover as well that's it's 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 going to go hand in hand with your postpartum recovery as well 100 percent. yeah and then you know stress (laughs) yeah (laughs) everyone's gonna say stress but it's actually really important really yeah and I think you know we can say that we don't feel stressed and you know but we all come up against it at some point Mm -hmm. and I think it's important to just know that it doesn't have to be the same just because someone is stressed in one area doesn't mean you're stressed in the same way Mm -hmm. you know it can be emotional it can be physical but finding out what stress is to you and what your body does when Mm -hmm. it's under stress that will go a really long way in like in in just having that understanding and putting things in place to support yourself in those times yeah yeah and I guess rituals that's the last one I think um I think 
For me personally, this is probably just going to head down the personal route. Mm-hmm. I I did a lot of, you know, your question was in preparing for a birth. Yeah. So I visualized my birth every single day. Epic. Yeah. I prepared myself with what I wanted yeah. or what was my ideal situation. And I visualized that. And Epic. I definitely had that. I was so lucky to have that. Awesome. Um but I think getting that super clear on that birth that you want to have and the experience you want to have. And then it's like you almost work backwards towards it. Yeah. yeah. So I think what a beautiful ritual to include in, your, in every day. So true. Or as often as you can. So true. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Beautiful. So um, postnatally, what do we do to rebalance our hormones, whether we are breastfeeding or not? And how do we go tracking our cycle again? And how was your personal experience doing that? Probably still doing that. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, So many really big questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what do we do to rebalance our hormones? Okay. I just would like to say lean on the lifestyle you created beforehand. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So if, you're, if you've done the work before, you've been eating the nutrient-dense foods, you've been, you know, looking after yourself, you're moving in a way that your body feels good. It just mm-hmm. doesn't feel under strain. Um, you know, they're the kinds of things you want to lean on the lifestyle that you created that helped you get to where you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's like almost going back to your roots, mm-hmm. you know. To what feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in regards, you know, to specifically like balancing hormones, this would be like nutrient density. Mm-hmm. You know, your after birth, like your body goes through such a transition, like you, you know, the birth is in it, such a huge event in itself that mm-hmm. you need to replace what you've lost. Yeah. Like, and you know, if there's one thing you can do, it's like eating really awesome food, yes. really nourishing food. Yeah. Um, that's just going to give you, you know, so much more energy and it's going to make you feel more balanced. Yeah. Like it's, it's what it does. It just, it's, it's so natural that it does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, another thing I would probably, probably look into, and I've just done myself actually is a testing so three, yeah. So three months postpartum, checking where you're at. Oh, on um, blood. Yeah. Yeah. So doing some blood blood work to just check in what's happening. Yeah. Um. You know, we can our iron and zinc specifically, like they're massive in mm-hmm. pregnancy and with blood loss following pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um. So like check in on them. Yeah. Do you need more support? Do you need to eat more zinc rich foods? Do you yeah. need to somehow work out how to get some more iron into your body mm-hmm. um, rather than just taking something? Like yeah. you don't want to be, um, you know, taking something that you don't need, mm. um, but then you don't want to be not having what you need Absolutely. as well. And you, you kind of need a bit of proof with those ones. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know where I was going to go now. Such a big question. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So, and I guess, how do we go about starting to track our cycle again? Yes. Um, start tracking when it feels good. Okay. For me, I started tracking six weeks postpartum. Yeah. And that was kind of when, you know, my midwives were like, you've got the green light. It's okay. Yes. <laughs> you know, and... 
Um, it's also when I started experiencing some hormonal kind of stuff as well. Yeah. You know, I started noticing a bit of mucus. I, um, my, my skin changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I knew that it was time for me to start paying more attention again. Yeah. yeah. And because I use my cycle, um, as natural contra- as a natural contraceptive as well. Yeah. It was important to me that I started tracking again. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to wait to that first bleed, but maybe more so symptoms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely don't need to wait for the first bleed. I would for a woman, you know, for women that could be a long time after having a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, if you're breastfeeding, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. It could be years. Yeah. Ideally not, but yeah. it could be a long time. So you want to be tracking before that. You can be supporting yourself yeah. with your cycle well before that. And I've heard of women that in their very first cycle, before they had that bleed in that ovulation phase, they've fallen pregnant yeah. and then it didn't bleed again but didn't even notice it. And it wasn't yeah. until months later that they actually realized they were pregnant because they never knew they got their yeah. period again. So that is, yes. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Hi- hey. <laughs> Highlighting the importance of tracking yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. and understanding yeah. understanding what's happening, your, your fertile window and stuff so important. Yeah. I did want to say, just so you, you know that your listeners know as well, that only 2% of women get their cycles back straight away after a birth. Right, wow, yeah. Like 2% of women. Wow. So, you know, and that means 98% of women don't. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, if there's not a cycle back within sort of six months, yeah, that's, that's your sign to look a little bit deeper. Yeah. 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 stuff like that you're recording that um so i actually don't take temperature oh okay cool i used to do temperature but the way i'm certified to teach fertility awareness i actually don't need it okay yeah so i track um only using cervical mucus interesting so that's where i spend all my time all my energy on my tracking as well as tracking any symptoms that i'm experiencing as well yes yeah okay and being a mama that's breastfeeding sometimes throughout the night you don't want to be your your basal body temperature is something that you take after you've had a certain amount of sleep Mm. so therefore if i'm up all the time and i'm not getting full nights rest you know it's going to be inaccurate anyway. Yeah. And unless you were using um, like something that's taking your resting temperature. Yeah. Um, like a temp drop or something like that. It, it's probably not even going to be accurate anyway. It's not going to be a great indicator. It's not going to be a reliable fertility sign. Mm. So mm-hmm. you don't really need it. Pointless. Um, okay. Yeah. And you definitely don't need it to like confirm ovulation. It is a useful tool. And this is something I tell my clients as well. It's not, you don't need bbt to understand your fertility mm-hmm. your body because it, you know your body literally gives you everything you need by just talking like talking to you through your mucus your Interesting. Mucus. yeah okay mm-hmm. so once again a bit off track however <laughs> if like you know you're really new to this world and cervical mucus you're kind of like i don't really know <laughs> what that means yeah. or um 
you know, what the different mucuses can look like or feel like or the texture and stuff, I imagine, is what you would look out for. Is basal body temperature maybe a good way to start while you're still getting used to all the different types of mucus and actually observing that, do you think? Yeah, I think. Aside from pregnancy and postnatal. Definitely. If that's something that is interesting, like if you find interesting for you and you want to learn about, I'd say, yeah, definitely go for it. Mm -hmm. It's all additional information at the end of the day. Um, it's not something that I personally need because I've been tracking for a really long time now. So I don't need to rely on it because I know my body that well. Um, but for someone who's starting out, yeah, that could be super helpful in understanding and working with. Um, but it's also, you know, being the educator that I am being like, you don't need to rely on that yeah either so there's options yeah Yeah. awesome awesome really interesting really interesting okay cool so next question now as an overall starting point if you wish to balance your hormones where do you even start so we're talking pre-pregnancy and all that okay um so where do you start now i think the thing that is most important to know is that it's not just one thing that might need fixing. Mm-hmm. Um, hormones, you know, it's a full body thing. It's a full and understanding yeah. that part of it and just being like, okay, like it's not just I'm going to fix one thing and I'm going to see yeah. the magic happen. Um, it's a whole system thing. It's, yeah. you know, and I think this is where, you know, we talked about before one of the most important things to be tracking is mm. your symptoms mm. because your symptoms are your messages. Your body's communicating through messages to you what is happening. Mm-hmm. So if you're experiencing symptoms, that's where you want to be looking. So, okay. for example, if you've, you know, if you're feeling really like stressed out, maxed out, what's happening with your adrenal glands? Yeah. Have you got the shakes? What's happening with your thyroid? Mm. If you've got bloating, have you got digestive kind of stuff? What's mm. happening in your digestive system? Mm-hmm. That's where I would be starting. Because, mm. you know, you can you can lean on a condition all you, all you want, but there's a reason why those symptoms are showing up. Yeah. And if you follow them back, that's, that's going to help you find more balance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah interesting, interesting. Um, so when you're tracking your cycle, I assume that day one of your cycle is day one of your period, your very first bleed, because that's kind of very distinctive of a time. Do you, is that what it is or? Yeah. So day one, I like to explain it as the day, the first day of full flow. Okay. So enough that you need to do something about it. Right. So like wear a pad or something. Yeah. Like okay. It's, it's, you know, a lot of people will call like the spotting in the days beforehand their period. Ah. But no, that's not, you know, although they can get confused if they have a really light period, but like after you're looking for full flow enough that you have to do something about it. I don't know. People got spotting like leading up to like mine's like fucking no warm up. (laughs) No. Yeah. And you know, for the women, if, if that's you. Look at your progesterone. (laughs) Ah, if you're getting the spotting. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Oh, that's a good little tip, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder if my progesterone's okay then. (laughs) Yeah. I think if it's coming straight away, I think you're probably all right. You're not too bad. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. Very cool. Very cool. All righty. Well, that is my questions for you. Now, we do have a few from the community. So we will start. We have covered some of these throughout. However, just give um, your own personal opinion. So... 
So after birth, where do we even begin in tracking our cycles? Do we do BBTs and CM, which when I sent you this message, I literally said, I don't even know what those acronyms mean. I hope you do, but otherwise (laughs) I can ask her. (laughs) So enlighten us on that. (laughs) Okay. So just FYI, CM is cervical mucus and BBT, we had a good laugh about this. Um, (laughs) BBT is basal body temperature. Okay. So specifically tracking after birth. Um, this is where, you know, I would kind of just guide you in what tracking, were you doing any tracking beforehand? Mm -hmm. Lean on that, lean on what you know. Um, if anything, start to just pay attention, pay attention. You can, and, and make it your own. So do you want to track cervical mucus? Do you want to track your symptoms? It really depends on what you are tracking for Mm. are you tracking to try and find out when your cycle is going to show up are you tracking because your hormones are out of whack Mm. are you tracking to use um your cycle as natural contraception Mm -hmm. why are you tracking and then sort of it'll kind of fall into place whatever you choose to track what you need to track in order to achieve that sort of specific goal Mm. um but if i can say anything track the things that we sort of mentioned before track your day Mm-hmm. Um, if you know a day, I understand post-birth, you could be on day 100 and blah, yeah. blah, blah, um, 300, whatever, however yeah. many days post-birth, like post-last cycle you were. Absolutely. Um, but track the date, track yeah. the date. And then um, I always will recommend starting to pay attention to cervical mucus. Like that is going to be, that is literally going to tell you what is happening. And mm-hmm. if you can expect to see a cycle, if your hormones are fluctuating, fluctuating, sorry, mm-hmm. um, paying attention to that but then um also the symptoms the symptoms are your 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 bigger picture as to what's going on in your body interesting yeah i wouldn't like i said before with bbt you if you're a breastfeeding mama and you're not getting any sleep or if you just you know Mm. you're bottle feeding and you're still getting up multiple times in a night like it's just it's going to be so difficult to like get you an accurate bbt unless you have a specific tracking kind of thermometer that's going to let you do that um so i wouldn't even bother with bbt at that point that's just my personal opinion um but the others i would really you know if that's if that's where you're being sort of guided to if that's where your your interest is um that's what i would recommend start there awesome so the mucus and um like symptoms of your skin symptoms of your digestion stuff like that interesting yeah interesting okay cool um, now the drop in hormones post birth, which is quite often referred to as the baby blues, mm-hmm. how do you support yourself through that? This is probably going to head down the personal route as well, mm-hmm. but I might just explain a little bit about it first. Um, so we think about pregnancy, we've got this beautiful organ, the placenta, that's really nourishing bub through our pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. The placenta is the mo that you know the largest progesterone-producing organ in the body. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it makes sense that when that goes away, progesterone is our beautiful, um, calming hormone. Makes mm. us feel, uh, feel good hormone. Makes us feel really nice and not anxious, not anxious and mm-hmm. um, rested and stuff like that. So when we don't have that anymore, when we have a baby and the mm-hmm. placenta, the place where all this beautiful progesterone has been you know, being created for so long Mm. that goes away. It's like, oh, wow, that makes Mm -hmm. sense. That makes sense why I'm not going to feel as good anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is where I'm going to head down the personal route and say, this is where I'd like maybe look into placental encapsulation. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I personally had such a great experience doing that myself mm. um, because it is, it's a, it's a, a way to support your body through the transition. It eases you through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean I definitely didn't have a couple of like crying days, but mm-hmm. if anything, they were like emotional out of love. <laughs> they yes. weren't like, it wasn't like um, blues in my in right. my experience, it was all so, so too much love almost. Yeah. Um, and I could even <laughs> just imagine be like, oh, I just love him so much. And start crying. Oh my God. Uh, oh, well, he just did a little grimace. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it's true. true. <laughs> yeah, I no, it. my heart aches, you know, yes. just with love for him. Beautiful. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that would be one of my things. Um, look into placental encapsulation if it feels good for you. I think that's a really yeah, good or, point. Yeah, or, you know, um, but like, I think other, you know, other tips that we could run through quickly mm-hmm. is like sleep. Yeah. Sleep is, I know it's so hard to like, put you, like to not look at your baby and stare at them like while you go to sleep. Mm. <laughs> but, yes. Um, yeah. Having more rest is really, you know, going yeah. to support you through those, those, especially those days after. Yeah. Um, just do your best. That's all you can do. You're right. Mamas do that all the time, don't they? After yeah. birth, just yeah. watch them. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's, that's where my, my two would be at. Look into placenta, like into your mm. placenta in a supportive way and yeah, look at your rest. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, even just shedding light on the... Um, logic behind why you get the baby blues can be really helpful. Like I know for me, um, like being very scientific minded that if I'm feeling down, but I know uh, it's just because of X, Y, and Z with my hormones, mm-hmm. it's not because I'm actually sad or actually disconnected yeah. with my baby or mm-hmm. nothing's actually wrong. It's just a biological thing. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, that's fine. I can kind of write it out and that's almost enough to get me out of that funk because a lot of the time the funk is kind of stewing in yeah. the emotion whereas if you can just acknowledge it as an emotion and let it pass through mm. and not um kind of delve into the story that the emotion's telling you it, it's not as dramatic yeah um yeah cool really interesting so what should i expect through different phases of my cycle how do i support my natural hormonal changes to minimize my symptoms okay so I guess I would expect that you're not going to be the same every single day of Mm. your cycle. Have that expectation. You know, you're going to have ups and downs as your hormones do. You're Mm -hmm. going to have to and fro's as your hormones do. Um, So be okay with that. Expect that you're not always going to feel your best. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, I think... In understanding that there's going to be times where you do have highs and you do have lows, using those, yeah, using those highs um, for really like awesome productive work, mm-hmm. um, for exercise, um, and use the lows to rest. Mm-hmm. Listen, why? Why is your body telling you to do that? Listen yeah. to it, um, and you know, and, and just by listening naturally, you're just going to be able to support your cycle naturally. Mm. Um, and listening to those symptoms. Why do you feel low? Asking the question, why is it that I feel low today? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I'm at this point in my cycle. What can I do to support myself in this specific type, Mm -hmm. uh, this specific time in my cycle? Sorry. Um, And this is, um, you know, an amazing place where I can refer 
anyone who's sort of wanting to understand that to the cycle tracking guidebook that I've written. Um, and that's in there, there's a beautiful, it's called my menstrual roadmap. And it literally like allows you to understand what is happening in each phase of your cycle and Mm -hmm. how you can pull on that phase, Mm -hmm. um, to create a life that you really love. And that, um, is supportive, Mm -hmm. you know, that's really supportive of you and your fluctuations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where I'd be sending you lovely lady who asked that question. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you'll get a lot out of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. That's um, a good point. Uh, going with the flow in this, um, book that I told you that I was reading about, um, hormones and periods and stuff. Um, yeah, she talked about there's times of your cycle that you're going to feel less social and um, less active and wanting to hit a boxing bag and all that sort of stuff. And then you have times that you're way more productive and, and you kind of flow that in with when you start projects at work as to when you finish projects at work and all of that sort of stuff. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I would love to, for those out there who don't know, I am starting this whole cycle tracking with Megan as well. And I would love to structure my tasks and my business around my cycle I just think I would yeah find so much more ease and grace through doing that yeah and like what power ah isn't it like like I've got goosebumps like far out like I I you know it's on days like this that we we get to talking that I miss mine. I miss yeah. having it because it's like, ah, because <laughs> yeah. um, I, I 100% did this. Like yes. I, you know, I wrote, I, I wrote my guidebooks when I wasn't wanting to be out and doing yes. clients necessarily. Yes. Like you, you do, you learn how to create a life that's so supportive of you and so supportive of you being just yeah. naturally like a, a natural woman. Like Absolutely. We're not in a, <laughs> unfortunately, we're not really in a society that supports our bodies. No. You know, so no. we have to do it for ourselves. Yeah. We have to really do it for ourselves. And, you know, by taking the step to even be open to understanding, yeah. it's like, that's massive. Yeah. But like, it's just... And I've said this to you as well. Once you start, you won't go back. Exactly. Exactly. I have no intention because, um, and how good would it be going into everything you do throughout your month or throughout your year or whatever as like a fuck yeah, I'm keen to do this. Not like a super fun social thing that you'd usually be super keen on. However, you're in this part of your cycle that you don't feel like being social. Now you're having to force yourself. Like it would be great to just everything is a fuck yes yeah i'm excited like yeah like how nice to literally be like in the flow yeah yeah Yeah. everything you do is with intention yeah with love yeah with support yeah um you're not you know it's not negative it's really you know i just i love it for that too i just it makes me it makes me happier yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely um Now, another one, which I think is going to be a bit of a tricky one. I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which gives me lots of um, painful symptoms, period symptoms. How do I even begin to support my Hashimoto's? Is meds necessary? Yes. Okay. So this one is very, very, very specific to that individual. Mm. So that is a really hard question to answer without seeing this woman myself in person personally Mm -hmm. um but I guess my advice for that one would be to don't focus on the label 
Yes. Okay. Focus on the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Why are the symptoms showing up? And look into like look into healing the symptoms. Yeah. Um, it's you know, and I think this is where even working with someone is going to be super super supportive for you. Mm, um, definitely. Because it looks like Hashimoto's thyroiditis looks so different for everyone. Yeah. Like it's not going to look the same. Your hormonal symptoms aren't going to look the same as anyone else. Um, and understanding that I think is really important and having someone to hold your hand and walk you through it, especially if it sounds like, you, you know, you've got lots of hormonal symptoms, like that's really tough. Yeah. You know, having the support is going to be helpful as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like understand, like paying that attention to those yeah. symptoms and questioning why they are there. Yeah. I think that's going to be your ticket. Yeah. yeah. And when you say working with someone, like who do they go to for that support? There's sort of, um, you know, there's a, a few people that you could work with, honestly, mm. but it's about finding the right person for you. You know, there's naturopaths, um, there's nutritionists, there's mm. people like me yeah. or hormonal health practitioners, you yeah. know. Um, but it's about finding the person that's right for you, that yeah. you trust um, to hold your hand through it. It's, um, you know, and I think anyone who's only going to focus on the label is not your person. Yes. So if you're going to go to someone in the medical field, that's going to be like, yes, you have this condition. That's it. Mm-hmm. You need to take um, this medication. medication. I'd be like, why? Yeah. What's it going to do? Yeah, exactly. You need yeah. to, I'd be questioning everything. Mm. And if you choose to work with a naturopath or a nutritionist, whoever, mm-hmm. ask them why. Yeah. Why am I doing They, You know, you you should have an explanation for everything. Every yeah. every medication that you take, I have an explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, every diet change that you make, there should be an explanation. Mm. Do you ever see much... Um not necessarily misdiagnosed Hashimoto's or just thyroid conditions in general, or even those conditions that are easily managed naturally without having to take the TSH or whatever they take, the um, thyroxine and stuff like that. Do you see that much? I don't, honestly. Um, yeah. You know, I tend to get the women that are on the subclinical. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of there, you know, there might be subclinical hypothyroid, which yeah. is like underactive thyroid, but yeah. not enough to be diagnosed, diagnosed. hypothyroid. Yeah. And this is why you can totally have symptoms without having a labeled condition. Yeah. So this is where I'm like, don't focus on the condition. And like, how often do you get your bloods done? Like, not yeah. that often. Like, and I have rarely had my thyroid's bloods done. Yeah. And, you know, like, depending, yeah, it's going to your bloods for your thyroid specifically are going to be so dependent on the day that you got them taken. Mm. You know, if there's stress or something, yeah. they could they could really mess with those bloods. Whereas your symptoms, if you're tracking your cycle, for example, mm. and you're getting thyroid-related symptoms yeah. and you're getting them all the time, yeah, um, then you're like, oh, right, okay, okay, there's something happening there. And to be honest, that was me. I was a subclinical hypothyroid okay. before I started um, – Oh, well, during, I figured this out sort of myself before, um, while I was in my process of preparing to conceive mm. and um, healing my cycle and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, and no one called me hypothyroid, no. but I still had an underactive thyroid. Yeah. Yeah. And is that all fixed now with your Yeah, your... it's really good. So yeah. I 
Um, I worked really hard on that in the, in the six months, especially before conceiving my son. Um, and I guess my thing was, um, my iodine. Right. Actually. So I had really low iodine (laughs) and I actually don't know why. Um, I have a bit of a gut feeling that, um, I actually, before I moved back to Australia, I lived in London for nearly two years. And in that time, I reckon I didn't have any sea vegetables of any Ah. kind. Like, honestly, I barely had any fish and I reckon maybe something to do with the hard water over there. I became quite deficient and funny thing is my husband was very much deficient in iodine too and the thing with iodine is that it is I like to think of it as like the energy source for the thyroid Mm. okay so if you don't have it like let me explain it this way so your thyroid needs iodine to make hormones right Mm. but we don't just make iodine we have to get iodine from somewhere Mm -hmm. so we get it from our food right so when we don't have enough, we're not making the right hormones or we're not supporting the right hormones. So yeah. my thyroid wasn't working because of that. Yeah. Um, so when I started to introduce more iodine-rich foods, things like um, kelp, you know, dulse, wakami, nori, wow. sea, veg- sea vegetables. Is so where actual you're... vegetables, not just seafood? No, yeah. Well, seafood is a great source as well, but... Then yeah. it's in, you know, in seed vegetables, it tends to be more nutrient dense. And that's where I was always at. Right. I was, I'm always at, what can I do? What foods can I have that are going to have the highest nutrient density to help me? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, and that's what I did. Cool. Yeah. Super cool. Super yeah. cool. Super cool. So just to quickly flick back to a question at the start where we skipped over the endometriosis part. So um, if someone was diagnosed with endometriosis, how do they start to get into hormonal shape and anything extra they need to do to help them conceive? Um, now, endometriosis is still still a condition that's really not well understood. It's really mm. it's a really tough one. And, you know, I've actually seen it way more than I should ever have mm. <laughs> been working in ultrasound. Um, it's, it's not a nice condition, but it's just, it's really not understood in the way that it could be, you know, hormonal, it could be genetic, it could be immune related. Mm. Um, so they're all kind of areas in which you can be looking into. Yeah. The way I like to approach it, honestly, is by firstly, just addressing inflammation. Yes. There's a reason why there's this overexpression of hormones, of um, there's an over, you know, an upregulation of the immune system, mm. and a lot of it's inflammatory. So it's like, well, if we at least try and calm that inflammation, yeah, we're going to be supportive of cyclic symptoms. So things like period pain, and you know, um, all this, all the kinds of symptoms that you get with endo. But you know, I think um, this is one where when we're we're in the place where potentially looking to conceive in your question. It's like, what is your timeline? What is that specific woman's timeline? Mm. Um, you know, have they been trying for a really long time and they're still getting these symptoms and they've just been diagnosed with endo? What's their next step? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, surgery is apparently the most effective option, even though I honestly believe that you can heal any condition. Yeah. But it's just what time do you have? Yeah. 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 I love that you brought up that inflammation. I feel most of us are so inflamed um, and we are having 
you know, joint pains or hay fever or endo or all of these different things that we just deal with. And it's because of that inflammation from like packaged foods and shit like that. And it's just, yeah, it's crazy how much inflammation impacts our body. Hey, I've got gut issues as well. Yeah. It's almost like impossible not to be inflamed. Yeah. Yeah. It is. You got to work really hard and you really got to understand what's going on not to be inflamed. Yeah. 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 And the thing is, it's not like um, you have to be either inflamed or not. Like I think, if you can just try to minimize the inflammation as much as you can. So, you know, yeah, yeah you're going to splurge out and have some chocolate or whatever. Yeah. Um, but just if you can have in your everyday lifestyle anti-inflammatory foods and drinks and yeah. um, uh, less stress, all of that sort of stuff to try to decrease as much inflammation as you can, um, I think that's epic. Yeah. So, uh, we are finished with our podcast. Thank you so much for popping on. Do you want to tell everybody where to find you, if they want to work with you or look at your stuff, and let them know about your books and stuff like that? Yeah, sure. So, thank you for having me. Pleasure. It's always so much We always have a nice time. We always say we feel a little bit famous doing interviews and getting interviews. We actually do. I was telling someone that the other day, I'm like, oh, I'm getting interviewed. I feel a little famous. Uh, uh, oh stop it um yeah okay so if you're after some help or you want to just follow along i my instagram is a womb guided life and my website is a womb guided life.com now i am seeing a few one-on-one clients at the moment i have had just you know just had my boy not long ago yeah um but you know that will only increase from now on Awesome. So if you're needing one, or if you know, if you're after one-on-one support, please message me, even if it's just for a quick chat. Yeah. Um, but if you're after a bit of support, you know, to do in your own time, I have written a couple of guidebooks and they're sort of really, they're stuff that I work on with my clients anyway. Mm. And they're really, you can take it and you can leave it. You know, you, you take things out of what you really enjoy, implement them yeah. into your life, um, implement what feels good, but the information's all there. Awesome. Okay, so I've got a cycle tracking guidebook and I've got find your hormone imbalance available on my website. So you can check those out if you want. Awesome. Um, And just because I I love Amy and (laughs) I'm I'm very, very, you know, grateful that you want to learn from me anyway. Mm. Um, I have a little discount code. Awesome. So cycle 15 off for any of my guidebooks on my website. And the code is cycle 15 off. 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 Yeah. Beautiful. We'll put that in the show notes too. Oh, thank you so much. No worries. My pleasure. And that is a wrap to a freaking epic podcast. I just had such a great time recording it, such a great time editing it and re-listening to it over and over again. So many great little nuggets of wisdom there. Probably my biggest takeaway, I would have to say, is how freaking easy it is to add those few nutrient-dense foods into your diet, such as the bone broth and the liver, and it doesn't have to be a whole life-changing experience. It can be simply adding a teaspoon into your meals at night time, and I just really like the simplicity and ease of that. Thanks for tuning in, mamas. Always such a great time to talk once again. I really look forward to reading your reviews, and have a great rest of your day.